0: this is Rob Cartledge, and we are doing a study through the book of Colossians. You can visit me at www.robcartledge.com. This is our study in Colossians. It's an expositional study, continuing on from last week. Uh, We're still going to be going through Ephesians. I just felt this sermon was what we should be doing this week, so I'm sort of bouncing between the two. And this sermon's called Freedom from Tradition and Rules. Let's turn in our Bibles to Colossians 2, verse 16. Verses 16 to 23, so straight after where we ended off last week. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen, and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why as though you still belong to it do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Okay, so there's a fair bit there, but it won't take us too long to get through what we're looking at. 2.16 uh, tells us that let no one judge us by traditions and ceremonial laws. So if they come and say, you should be doing this at this time of year, we shouldn't let anyone judge our Christianity or our faithfulness to Christ by uh, any of these traditions of men. 2.17 teaches us that the reality is in Christ. Not in these ceremonial laws and you know, obeying all these man-made traditions and even traditions that were set in the Old Testament which are no longer uh, pushed on us in the New Testament because Christ now is our Sabbath, as we were talking about before. 2.18, don't let others deceive you. We'll go into that further. 2.19, these people are not part of the body of Christ. 220 to 21 tells us to not submit to the world's rules against handling, tasting, and touching. 222 tells us worldly rules are made up by men and not God. And 223 worldly rules will never restrain man's basest animal desires. And our basest desires are actions or feelings without moral principles. They lack any moral guidance, moral principles to guide their life. And we should, uh, these worldly rules will never restrain that. But only Christ can restrain that. That's why no one in the world who is yet, who without Christ has been able to control those areas of their life. So the first screen, we call it, be not judged. Colossians 2.16. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. Or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. So Paul is here advising the Christians to reject those who enforce a legalistic, ritualistic approach to the Christian life. So if you feel like you're, it's becoming religious, it's stuffy, it's limiting, it makes you feel oppressed, all of those types of things, then you know rules and regulations are being forced upon you. You're not walking by the Spirit, and the Spirit is guiding you to resist evil influences or whatever. You're getting all these extra things that aren't in the Bible that are getting put on you, causing you to um, live a Christian life according to a man's version of it. Do you know what I'm saying? So keep in mind that the reason Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians was to debunk the Gnostic teachings the Gnostic teachings of that day, but also he was debunking Eastern mysticism that was also getting brought into the church, also Jewish legalism. We know in the book of Acts how the Jews were going around and upsetting the churches, saying that you've got to be circumcised, you've got to do all these different things to receive salvation, and that's when they had this meeting and said, okay, what's going on here? So the the heads of the church all got together and said, no, that circumcision has no relevance any longer. So we're not going to enforce that on the Gentiles. You know? We're not going to enforce something that we ourselves couldn't handle, the yoke of that uh, legalism that, that was so heavy for the Jews that actually, in the end, the, the Jews uh, fell away from God altogether, didn't they? They got you know, uh, spread all over the earth. And then so what uh, Paul was standing against was that sort of thing coming on the church and destroying the church you know because it's it's a heavy yoke we've just got to be yoked to Christ that's the freedom we have is to be yoked in Christ who is our sabbath rest so he was coming against jewish legalism even worldly philosophy you know like plato and aristotle and all that stuff because it's all worldly it's not the words of Christ it's not it's not uh, liberating you by the spirit it hasn't got a a Something that takes place in you that changes you inside, you know? All it is is just moral principles that you try to live by but never can live by. It's like the law, really. Just an extra set of laws or an extra description of how to live a life well, but we'll never fulfill it. We'll never fulfill. And, yeah, well, you get condemned through it. Or you get total freedom to the excesses of life and, you know, do what thou wilt it will be the whole of the law, you know, just do whatever you want. Yeah. If, you, if it feels good, do it, you know, those sort of principles. He confronted dietary restrictions. That's one of the things. Therefore, do not let anyone, anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. Now, there's a lot of religions out there that enforce dietary restrictions on their people, mm-hmm. enforced ones. I know Seventh-day Adventists have dietary restrictions. I can't understand how a Seventh-day Adventist could read that, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, and then go and say, but you must be a vegetarian. Or you must not do this, or you must do that, or you can't eat pork, and you've got to eat lamb only, or whatever. You know, any of these crazy things that come along. Where do they get that from? Paul came along and corrected this. Paul came along and corrected this in the New Testament. But man goes and goes back to the Old Testament, pulls up some scriptures and starts quoting those, not realizing what Christ has done. He has set us free from this. Because you can be a vegetarian the rest of your life. And if you're using that as some evidence to God that you're walking in holiness because you're being that, you're fulfilling that, therefore I can get into heaven because I've done that. You're kidding yourself. If you think because you take Saturday off and don't do any work on Saturday, you can boast about that when you get before God, and that's going to get you into heaven, you're kidding yourself. They weren't set up for that. Maybe in the Old Testament they had bearing, but in the New Testament they no longer have bearing. And I'm going to explain further about that. The Sabbath, Hebrews 4, 9 to 11. And this is what a lot of the you know SDAs will come and preach and, and others who push the Sabbath. They say, there, then Paul said, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. Now that scripture used to baffle me. I'm thinking, how come the Christians are not obeying the Sabbath? Yet that scripture's sitting there. So I, I um, contacted Ken Chant of Vision Bible College. He's a um, esteemed uh, theologian in Australia and, and around the world. And he sent me a private, personal email back. And this was his uh, response. And I thought it summed it up beautifully. Ken Chant. Said this, He said the context in Hebrews shows that the apostle could not have been burdening the church with the literal observance of a weekly Sabbath. And the reason is, is let's go back to the last screen, where it says, Therefore don't let anyone judge you by, by a Sabbath day, as the last point, isn't it? A Sabbath day. We're not to be judged by whether we obey it or don't obey it. So Paul couldn't have been talking about having to literally obey a Sabbath again like in the Old Testament. There must be more to it. So the context in Hebrew shows that the apostle could not have been burdening the church with the literal observance of a weekly Sabbath. Everywhere he strives to show how the physical rituals of ancient Israel have now, through Christ, found a higher and better reality in the spiritual dimension. This better dimension has also changed the old weekly Sabbath, which was simply a rest from physical labor. Instead, we now find in Christ a far more glorious Sabbath, that is A true rest from our all labouring to secure the salvation of God. Ken Chant continues, Our new spiritual rest is not just one day a week, but all day, every day. Nor does it point to some future rest in heaven. Rather, it is ours now, fully and wholly in Christ. All who believe in Christ can and should cease from their own efforts and rest content in the grace of God. Now, that's that's an important point. We've got to rest in the fact that we are saved every day. See, when you enter into the rest according to the Old Testament, everyone follow me, when you enter into the Old Testament Sabbath, you entered it because if you didn't, you would not be saved. Actually, according to Old Testament law, if you did not enter the Sabbath, you were to be stoned. Right? Now, that's not the case today, is it? Right? Does anyone get stoned for not entering the Sabbath today? Or well, they shouldn't if they do. So, you don't enter the Sabbath anymore to receive salvation, as the Old Testament uh, followers had to. We now enter the Sabbath, and that Sabbath is Christ. Jesus says, I am Lord of the Sabbath. You know, and let no one condemn us for it. Remember, they always tried to condemn Jesus for working on the Sabbath. And I've got that scripture coming up. So they were trying to condemn the Messiah for working on the Sabbath. So what are the, the Seventh day Adventists running around condemning people for not entering the Sabbath when they should take a look at the. You know the Pharisees of the day trying to condemn their God for not for working on a Sabbath, which He was doing. He was working on a Sabbath. You know this is important stuff. How dare we condemn one another for a Sabbath rest? Uh, like if you don't enter it on Saturday and do absolutely nothing, yeah. you know we are in that rest right now. That is in Christ. You can work all day long, swinging a pick all day long, and you are resting in Jesus. Amen. This is beyond physical. This is spiritual. So all who believe in Christ can and should cease from their own efforts and rest content in the grace of God. As Paul many times says in his letters, we are justified by faith apart from any work of ours. So we're justified by faith apart from any works. It's not works. And by faith and faith alone, we should enter into the fullness God has given us in Christ. As for Israel's ancient law and Specifically, the fourth commandment for us to uh, for us it has been entirely abrogated, which means it's been finished, and we no longer live by its mandate nor under its rule. 2 Corinthians 3 7 to 11. A dozen times, Hebrews uses the word better to describe the gospel in contrast with Jewish law. In every way, the new covenant is better than the old. In every way, the new testament is better than the old testament. I cannot imagine how the apostle could call our Sabbath better than Israel's if in the end it means nothing more than it did to them. That is, one day a week resting from physical toil. No, we have a far more glorious and continual rest available to us in Christ. So that in every situation, no matter what tasks each day demands of us, nor what crisis or challenges we may face, we are able to maintain an inner serenity and confidence and untroubled spiritual rest. In Christ, we are more than conquerors. In Christ, we are seated in the heavenlies. In Christ, we have ceased from our own labors. And now we trust only in his eternal grace. Isn't that awesome? So what a reply. When I got that email, I was like, wow, thank you. (laughs) Big thank you, Ken. You really summed it up. You, You could read that a few times, really, to really get it in your head. I had to. So Jesus tells us that he is the Lord of the Sabbath, doesn't he? I should have had the scriptures for that, but you just do a quick search, uh, go, even Google or go into Biblos and do a search of Lord of the Sabbath and you'll see heaps. Actually, many times the Jews tried to condemn Jesus by claiming he was working on the Sabbath, you know. But Jesus didn't accept that. See, how dare you? I'm Lord of the Sabbath. I want to work, I work. <laughs> I'm resting in God because I am God. <laughs> anyway, John 5, 16, 18. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day. So he's blowing their minds. What? He rested on the seventh day. And I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So... Does the Sabbath have a grip on us? It didn't have a grip on Jesus and we're following Jesus. It should have no grip on us. You know, they were walking for a cor- through cornfields and the disciples were grabbing corn and stripping them down and eating them. And they condemned, tried to condemn him for it. That's working. He's healing people. That's working. Come on. You know, Jesus is, Jesus is far greater than the Sabbath. Our Christian walk is, uh, in, is now free of that. That time restriction, that Saturday where we have to obey it. Well, and he, Jesus even pointed to in the Old Testament where the Sabbath had been broken. Um, yes. Do you remember where the... the oh, David, uh, you mean? It the, uh, wasn't the, the Sabbath. Good. It was uh, the consecrated bread. Sorry, yes. Yes, yeah. which wasn't supposed to be uh, <clears throat> eaten by um, the common person. Yeah, bad, yeah. But uh, in that case, because the men were starving... Hmm. There's always an exception to the rule. And he, that, that's when Jesus says, if your donkey falls into a well, would you not pull it out or would you just let it drown because you're obeying a Sabbath? Oh, I'll pull you out Sunday morning. First thing, keep swimming. No, you pull the thing out now. You do a bit of work, a bit of physical labor. So Jesus is setting us straight here. This is why, again, I'll bring up the 7th Adventists because this is their push. You know, what are they? Why are they pushing this when the Bible is so clearly telling us we are set free from this? And the only reason they push it is because of um, what's the name of their their prophetess that they follow, Ellen White, who's the scriptures. They they hold her writings up as biblical, and that she come along and said, "Oh no, no, we have to obey the Sabbath to receive salvation." Now she just added that in. Most other churches don't follow that that we have to obey the Sabbath to receive salvation, because we know there's only one way in heaven, that's through Jesus, and he did everything that had to be done for us to receive salvation on that cross. There's no other things needed. After that, as long as we walk in the Spirit. It's not as long as we obey the Sabbath. As long as we walk in the Spirit. Now, if you want to obey the Sabbath, the Sabbath is obeying that rest in Christ. That's really what it is. That's the Sabbath rest which we are in constantly. But it's beyond physical. It's a spiritual rest. And this is where they get so confused about it. However, it is good to remember, though, and this is my last point in relation to the Sabbath, it's good to remember the reasoning behind God causing men to take a day off from all labour once a week. It really is for our own well-being. That's what it's for for our own well-being. A man's body was not created to work seven days a week without bringing harm to it. If you work seven days a week, seven days a week, seven days a week, seven days a week and keep working and you're working 12 hours a day, 12-hour a day, you'll eventually be wrecked and destroyed. If you don't have times of recreation, and look at that word recreation, it's re-creation. You need time to recreate yourself. That's why we call it recreation. It's time to, you know, go out and have a hit of golf if that gives you some recreation time. You know, play a game of squash. uh, You know, lay on the couch. Have a rest. Read the Bible. Just chill out. You need it. Your body needs it. That's about the only way as Christians now we should promote that time of rest. Now, that could happen on a Monday. You might have a regular Monday off, so you do it on a Monday. You might have fine Sunday works, because Saturday is busy day. So Sunday you go to church and then you rest the rest of the day. You know, But uh, it's good for our own well-being. But it's nothing to do with our salvation. I can't stress that enough. It's, it, the Bible is clear. It does not have a bearing on our salvation. If it did, it would say, unless you enter into the Sabbath, you will not receive anything in Christ. You will know, lose your salvation. You know, then you'd go, okay, well, the Sabbath holds now. But the Sabbath rest that Paul's talking about is a rest, spiritual rest. I think I've completely drained that point now. Colossians 2.17. And Paul continues, These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. These were a shadow. So Paul makes clear that all of those religious festivals and Sabbath days are but a shadow of things to come and not the reality of it. The Sabbath of the Old Testament would be revealed in the New Testament in the person of Christ. So the Sabbath they were entering there was, it's a type of Christ, a rest, a place of rest. And that was fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And just like a shadow isn't the same as the person that it's, ref- or the refraction of the light is reflecting off or whatever it is that how the shadows are caused i don't know science behind it just as different as the shadow is from the person that it's it's being that is making that shadow is how different the sabbath rest of a, a one day a week is different from the person of jesus you know what i'm saying or what paul's saying so and this is what i'm just saying right now just as your shadow when you stand in the sun is not you the person, but rather a dark outline of you. So these religious festivals, months and days, are God leaving an outline of what is to come in the future. But now Christ has come, we have beheld the reality himself and now live under that reality. So Colossians 2.18 says this, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions, by their unspiritual mind. So Paul confronts the Gnostic, mystic philosophers of that day and tells the Colossians not to let themselves be disqualified by giving ear to their teaching. If you start, as a Christian, if you start listening to Hindu gurus, to Gnostic teaching, you start giving ear to it, you start entertaining it, you start going, that's interesting. You know, you start listening to a cultic, you know teachings and new age teachings, you start getting into a bit of Reiki, you start getting some acupressure, but it's not the fact that the acupressure is not bad, it's when they the stuff they tell you spiritually about what it's doing and you start believing that, that's what's bad. Do you know what I mean? The actual stretches of yoga aren't bad, it's the teachings of yoga that are bad. Do you know what I'm saying? It's nothing until you add in the garbage that they say that goes with it and if you start entertaining that and it enters into your mind, you start believing it, that's when Paul says that this will disqualify you and you don't want to be disqualified by adding more to the word of God you know, today we have all those same teachings with us but countless more teachings designed to get our eyes off Christ, teachings from cults like JW's and the Christadelphians which they teach that Jesus is not the son of God That is a creation of God. The teachings of Islam, which has the potential to be the one world religion that's going to control the the world in the last days. Uh, Hinduism, the 330 million gods and all of the garbage that goes with that teaching. The New Age, and I'm going to have a look at a little bit to do with the New Age. Uh, 1 Timothy 4, 1-2 says, The Spirit clearly says that in the latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. This is in Timothy. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars and whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. So the Spirit clearly says that in the latter times many will abandon the faith. That's confirming what was getting said in Colossians there. Many will be deceived and disqualified for their salvation into eternal life. And they're going to be disqualified by deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. So that's all the teachings of anything that is not coming from the Spirit of Christ. All of those teachings are going to disqualify the Christians that gobble it up. Its central precepts of the New Age have been described as drawing on both Eastern and Western spiritual and metaphysical traditions, and infusing them with influences from self-help, motivational psychology, holistic health, par- parapsychology, consciousness research, and quantum physics. The term New Age refers to the coming astrological age of Aquarius. So that's what it's. It's that they actually believe now we're in the age of Aquarius, and this New Age is upon us, uh, and that's why we're just seeing such a increase. You know, every second person you talk to will will have an interest in a part of this. And a selection of the New Age themes is astral projection, astrology, uh, aura. You know, they they look at your aura and they tell you, you know, what's going on in your life through looking at that. Necromancy, which is, you know, summoning the dead. Uh, Channeling, which is also summoning the dead but getting a a word from the other side, as it were. Uh, Crystal healing. Environmentalism there's environmentalists and you know by you know looking after the environment is a good thing but if you take it too far it becomes a religion to you and that's when it's actually new age feng shui goddess worship there's a lot of that karma which is a hindu concept but people here think you know it's a, there's a good thing to it you know so you got to give off good karma so you get good karma back and all this sort of stuff uh, law of attraction that you get what you think about You get what you focus on. Uh, Magic with a K, which is the real magic. That's the stuff that Aleister Crowley dabbled in, which is like curses and, you know, uh, sticking pins in, you know, voodoo dolls and that sort of stuff. Magic meditation, and there's meditating on the Word of God, that's what the Christians are called to do. But then there's the meditation, which is meditating on self and on on gods and, and on Satan and, and all that sort of stuff. And that's, that's really dark and, and we shouldn't get involved in that. Mediumship, parapsychology, pantheism, I won't go into these. Quantum mysticism, key reincarnation, the teachings of that, spiritual healing, tantra, yoga. And that was just a short selection. There is so many. Uh, I found a document which lists all the different um, cults and religions in the world today. And uh, there was 98 A4 pages of them. 98 pages. So... Christ consciousness is the growing human recognition of blending of the human evolutionary or ego mind with the divine mind and the divine personality that is the source of human happiness and fulfilment. This is not a term used in Christianity. New ages believe that all of the world's religious traditions offer a path to achieving this Christed status and people are free to find their way in the context of their religious choice. So find their own way, do what they want to do, um... You know, use what works for you. You know, that's the new age. And the new age deception is the big one. And uh, uh, eventually, all of these religions, these world religions, are going to become one. An ecumenical movement has begun. Um, there's video footage you can see of Pope John Paul II. He's on the steps of the Vatican with all of the different leaders of all the different religious groups around the world. And they're all coming together and agreeing that they all worship the same God. So, and that's not strange no. They do, Satan, yeah, <laughs> very good, Bill, very perceptive of you, yeah. But so, they are all coming together, this ecumenical movement. And you know, the ones that are going to be left out of it all are Christians, but Christians that hold firmly to the word as the word of God. If you hold firmly to the word of God, then you're not tolerant. And It's not that we're not tolerant, they're not tolerant of us holding firmly to the Word of God. So we're going to be considered outcasts. That's the only group that are actually excluded from their ecumenical movement. So that tells me something very significant, that we must be doing the right thing, we must be in the right faith. Paul said, this is how I know that I'm preaching the, the gospel of, of God, is that I'm still being persecuted. So if he he saw that as a gauge that he's doing the right thing. Colossians 2.19 They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. So these teachers who Paul confronted were once devoted Christians who they lost connection with the head, uh, which is Christ, because in Ephesians 4.15 it says, Instead, speaking truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. He's the head. So they lost connection with the head. And if we follow these strange unbiblical teachings, we too will lose connection with the head. Without the head, we die in our sins. You know, a body without a head just drops on the ground, doesn't it? That's how you kill a person real quick. Take the head off. Take an arm off and you might still kick on. Take a leg off and you'll kick on. Yeah. I take the head off and it's a groner. Yeah, they did. They did. Absolutely. So the key is, is that we've got to be very perceptive of what we allow or entertain into our belief system. The things we believe. We've got to double-check that all the time. We've got to wash our thoughts, wash our thinking, our belief system continually in the Word of God. That's why we've got to stay in the Bible because it's so easy for things to slip in here and there and everywhere. As you go through life each day, you hear something, oh, that sounds interesting. Gee, you know, I didn't consider that before, but you've just entertained a, a false belief and you've probably attached it to your belief system. It's like, you know, whales that go swimming through the ocean and these little critters get all over them. And they're always trying to find ways of getting them off them, you know, because they just inhibit their walk. But a lot of Christians don't realize that they're on them and they just keep on going until the next thing you know. They're completely covered. And they think they've got it all together. But they've been deceived. So we've got to be very, very careful. Colossians 2.20-21 says, Since you died with Christ to the elemental uh, spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, Do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. We are dead with Christ to this world. Amen? We are dead with Christ. As it says here, since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, so it's hold that we are dead with Christ to this world. So Paul asks, why do you submit to its ceremonial rules? Why are you proclaiming that if you don't obey the Sabbath... You're going to lose your salvation. Why are you proclaiming that if you don't eat a full vegetarian diet, that you're going to die in your sins? Why do you proclaim that if you eat pork, you're going to be a goner? Why do you say that you've got to do this, you know, um, a journey to Mecca or something? You know, now I'm looking at the Muslims. But why do we go and tell people that you have to do these things to get salvation when Christ did it all? one that I run into a lot is why do you say why can you eat meat on Good Friday? Well, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Why bring and it's usually from one church that mm. <laughs> gives you the condemnation. Yeah. It's not Christ didn't die. We stop eating meat on Friday. Yeah. So well, not, well, having having a a forty day fast before Easter or a, yeah. or, or not eating meat on on certain days that's a man made tradition. Yeah. It's not in the Bible. It's nowhere to be seen in the Bible.
1: Yeah. Yet,
0: you know, thousands not only follow it, but they condemn you if you don't follow it. That's right. And I'm a, I'm, I try to live it as impeccably by the Scriptures in relation to things like that. And when they're talking to me, I just say, well, you show it to me in the Bible and I'll, I'll follow it. Yeah. Don't go condemning me because of your little, you know, fanciful tradition that you're holding so strongly to. Show me it in the Scriptures. Well, the only thing in the Scripture, if anything, was, is the you know, fasting. Yes. But it doesn't tell you what day you have to fast. Yeah, right. It doesn't give you a time of year that you've got to fast, but fasting truly is uh, recommended in the Bible. But it's got to be spirit-led yeah. or else it's not worth anything in the end. Remember Jesus confronted them, the Pharisees about their fast and how they end up in brawling and that they go out and they you know, show off, look, I'm fasting and yeah. that. Then Jesus says, you know, do it so no one knows and then you're going to receive a reward in heaven. You know, what's this having a fast? And everybody, I'm fasting. <laughs> well, well done. Yeah. There you go. That's about the most you're going to get now. My pat on the back. Get to heaven and Jesus is not going to care mm. because you did it for the uh, praise of men. Because mm. I tell you what, you know, I love the Greeks. Don't get me wrong. I love the Greeks. I married a beautiful Greek lady and I love the Greek family that I'm in. And uh, my friends are Greek, Billy Boy's Greek.. Yeah. And uh, I love the Greeks, but they love to show off about their fast. Oh, they, do. <laughs> they love to tell everyone they're fasting right around Easter time. Oh yeah, and, and they like to push it on you. So um, you know, some corrections are needed here, Greeks. I can say that because I'm basically Greek now, Bill. Warren Weasby said, ascetic practices were popular during the Middle Ages. Wearing hair shirts next to the skin, sleeping on hard beds, whipping oneself, not speaking for days, maybe years. And that's not so bad, I think, anyway. Going without food or sleep. Ascetic practices really are severe self discipline and abstination from all forms of indulgence, things like uh, typically. Uh, for religious reasons you know they abstain from doing certain things but it's, but it's also, it's always in an effort to make thyself holy yeah. penance. penance and you know paying for it ourselves Christs sacrifice isn't good enough yeah. you know he got whipped so I better whip myself because I can't stop sinning <laughs> you know what I mean it's just but it, it's nowhere in the scriptures does it tell you that you've got to, you've got to pay mm. for sin yourself and the Catholic teachings that you go to purgatory to pay off your sins, again, it's, it's like saying, Jesus' sacrifice paid for most of my sins, mm. but there's a few he can't pay for. His sacrifice wasn't good enough for that. Only my sacrifice is good enough for that. I've got to go into this dark, dingy place, burn for a little while, get beaten up by every demon in hell, then I'll pay for it. Mm. And then I'll be good. Where's that in the Bible? Such a strange, corrupt, and evil teaching. Evil, guilt-ridden teaching that's not in Scripture. So if we punish ourselves in an effort to gain holiness, then we have missed the whole point of the cross. We've really missed it. Human rules that will perish. Colossians 2.22, these rules which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use are based on merely human commands and teachings. So Paul really just goes and sums them up. So a simple rule of thumb is, if God does not tell us to do it, as revealed in Scripture, then don't do it. In relation to ceremonial approaches to living the Christian life, if it doesn't tell us to do it in Scripture, don't do it. You know, why are we teaching people that you have to do this, that and the other when it's not in Scripture? simple rule of thumb. I thought it, think it's simple. I think that's pretty basic. That's why when people come to me, you know, all confused, oh, should we be doing this on that day? Of course not. Read your Bible. You will know. Why are you asking me? You know, the Bible's real clear. You know, that we, these are man-made traditions. They have no bearing on salvation. If you don't do them, you're fine. If you do do them, you're still fine, but you're actually deceived in thinking that you're going to benefit from it in some spiritual way. you get some spiritual progress that will place you in a better position. But you know what places you in a better position in the kingdom of God? Is by walking closely to Christ each and every day. Living in the Sabbath each and every day. Walking close with God. If you walk with God as Enoch walked with God, he'll take you away. And he'll give you a place of esteem in the kingdom. But it's not through obeying and whipping yourself and obeying ceremonies and living in the Sabbath or Saturday and, you know, don't work to the point where I won't even flick a light switch on. Because that's work. Oh, that's really hard work. Flick a light switch on. How ridiculous some people get with it all. Some really funny, really funny regulations and, and crazy things. So, wouldn't they walk around in the dark all day? Because oh, so. obviously, knowing a bit about the Jewish people, and they, they leave the lights on on Friday. Mm. Oh, they put them on Friday night, and if they want to cook something, they'll flip the oven on Friday night. Oh. What? Because it's all on. But what about grabbing the lamb out of the... and slipping it in the oven? Isn't that work? Fire. What about pouring themselves a glass of water? Is that going to be work now? They can't drive, but they can't walk more than, like, two k's. They can't travel more. They can't, they might <laughs> they, they're allowed to breathe? They can might have. They're allowed to breathe, are they? Oh, that's nice. Yeah, well, not many of be around, I do Gee, see how confused people Mm. can get? How deceived people live? Imagine living under that every Saturday. That makes Saturday a curse, not a blessing. That's not resting. No, exactly. That's stressing. (laughs) You worked. Oh, no, I didn't. I saw you turn on the light switch. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) There's companies in Israel that for products to get around the laws. By it. Doesn't that? Isn't that a bit sort of yeah. money? I'm it now. Something safe. Yeah. yeah. Something safe foods. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. This product was not made on a Saturday. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he can a happy Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, oh, it's just, it's just crazy. God came. To, Jesus came to set us free from all this stuff. Men love to gain control over other men by subjecting mm. them to rules and regulations in an effort to control them. That's how they do it subject rules regulations you'll find all the cults especially the real evil cults are heavily bound by rules and regulations things you can do things you can't do and if you can't do it there's punishment and all this sort of stuff you'll find they all have that sort of a system and it's to subject them to control to control them because there's a lot of benefits if you can control a group of humans there's a lot of benefits you can get you can gain from that you know, you can get a full pocket full of money. You know, um, and you get a lot of things done for free. You know what I mean? So that's that's the reason behind it all. But Christ has set us free from mere human commands and teachings. Simple. So you think about it. When um, the Pharisees would come along, saying to all the Christians during in the in the Book of Acts that y- you've got to get circumcised if you want to be saved, what they were trying to do was they were trying to move in on that church and take control of it. Hey, we're here to tell you Jesus' sacrifice is enough. You've got to be circumcised. Now, if they all went and got circumcised, guess who runs that church now? Now they're going to listen to the Pharisees. Now what else do we have to do? Oh, well, you've got to start obeying the Sabbath on Saturday. You can't work. And the Gentiles are going, what? All right. Well, now we obey the Sabbath. Now what are we got to do? Oh, well, now you can't eat meat. You've got to be a vegetarian. Or you can't eat pork. And, you know, pushing all of these Restrictions and regulations and before they know it these poor people will be bound up in it can't discern right from wrong and they're under the subjection of man and man's traditions that's the best way to get control of them alright so Colossians 2.23 such regulations and this is the last screen such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Because in the effort to obey all these things, it's always pushed that you will then control that sensual nature. You will then be sinless. You will then walk as a holy person. You'll be able to do all that if you follow my rules and regulations. That's the outcome. But Paul tells us straight, they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. No matter how wise these rules and disciplines sound, they lack the power to restrain that sensual nature of ours. However, Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth, and by walking in the Spirit and crucifying the flesh every day, we will overcome the sensual desires. Walking in the Spirit, obeying the promptings of the Spirit, saying, Lord, I'm yours today, guide me, keep me free from those things that I shouldn't do. And then when you, by accident, do them or you do them, and it's not the norm, it's just something that sort of you slip into, you get on your knees, ask God to forgive you. And Lord, help me again. And you walk like that. And that's the simplest way to approach the Christian walk, I believe. Not you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. No, we know what we should and shouldn't do. Come on, we're not idiots, a little kid can tell you a list of things we should and shouldn't do. Kids in the schoolyard in reception are saying, "Hey, you can't do that. That's not fair." A little kid knows what's fair and what's not fair. As we get older, we know at a more, you know, advanced level, at a more mature level, what is right and wrong. We can make those decisions. Unless you deny right and wrong, and that's what the, you know, postmodern world. Oh, there is no right and wrong. Oh, really? Say that when someone comes and steals everything out of your house and takes off, mm-hmm. or someone comes and burns your house to the ground, is there right and wrong now? Suddenly, postmodern man, <laughs> the postmodern man will be kicking and screaming, and you know, off to his insurer and saying this wasn't fair, and the police, and catch that that thief. You know, mm-hmm. we know right and wrong when it affects us, don't we? So do unto others as we'd have them do unto us. Mm-hmm. That's how we should live. Yep. Jesus made it very, very clear and simple. Well, let's pray. Mm. Thank you, Lord, for this message. Lord, I just thank you that your spirit spoke again and um, that I was able to yield to your spirit again today. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you continue to use uh, this ministry Mm. and the ministry of this whole church to proclaim your liberty and your freedom in you and uh, the wonderful salvation that we have and how we walk. in the sabbath now we are in the sabbath right this moment every day and it's a sabbath rest in the lord of the sabbath and we're not under these rules and regulations and stringent guidelines that man has placed on us but we are free from those things we're not free to sin we're free from sin and so lord uh, because we walk by the spirit we have wisdom enough to know that these other things are not of you and they're only there to control and, and manipulate men to do what they want them to do. And so, Lord, we just pray that your Spirit just move upon us this week. Help us to walk in this and, and uh, speak about this. And uh, may it just uh, may this message just really penetrate our hearts and set us free from anything that we may have been bound by. And I pray all those on the Internet will also be touched and moved to be set free from certain things that have bound them. Uh, And we pray this by the Spirit of God that you would do a great work in all of us and use this ministry to reach thousands more uh, by the power of God. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon. If you search Rob Cartledge in the iTunes store or go to www.robcartledge.com, you'll see a number of different sermon series. Uncovering Religion, Truth, Judgment and Eternity, Apologetics 101, Critical Doctrine and End Times. Feel free to check them out.